MSW Media. And now, a word from one of our dream sponsors, Miller Lite Bowling Tournament, circa 1982. The score's all even! Glass frame, who's up? Rodney. Rodney! You gotta be a mistake. Hey, you kidding? It's a piece of cake! All we need is one pin, Rodney. Mike Deer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. We didn't get my turn yet. I'm going to break this tie. Well, pour yourself a glass. Sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking. Some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Dunn, and in just a few moments, I'm going to be speaking with two wonderful people, Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. And what we're drinking is Boone Haben. That's right, Boone Haben, the scotch from Isla. Regular listeners know how important this whiskey is to me. I, I love it so much, I named my dog Boone Haben. That's right, my pooch, my lab pit mix is named Bunahaben. The reason we're drinking it, besides it being fantastic, is that there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a big festival happening called Feish Il. It's the Isla Festival of Music and Malt. It's an international celebration of culture, music, and whiskey. It's happening for the second year in a row online. <clears throat> oh, clear my throat. Let me clear my throat. It's happening online. Hopefully this is the last year it's going to happen online, but it is happening online from May 28th to June 6th. Bunahaben Day is Friday, June 4th. So each of Isla's nine distilleries has their own day of celebration, and Bunahaben's is Friday, June 4th. And they've got a just a bustling bill of events on Bunahaben Day at Feish Eel. Two virtual tastings live from the distillery. It's a chance for people to meet Brendan McCarran, who's been officially appointed the master distiller for distal single malt and blended scotch portfolio. What do you think of that, most interesting man in the world? Stay thirsty, my friends. He's also going to be joined by master blender Julianne Fernandez and Bunahaben distillery manager Andrew Brown. They're all responsible for the creation of their the sing, limited edition single malts that they bottled specifically for Feish Eel, a 2013 Moin Bordeaux finish and a 2001 Marsala finish. These are special whiskeys. And why not? I mean, this festival is the biggest thing going for Isla. So, reminder, Feish Eel runs between Friday the 28th of May and Sunday the 5th of June. Bunahaben Day is the 4th of June. So you can get these Feish Eel bottlings and tasting kits at bunahaben.com. That is B-U-N-N-A-H-A-B-H-A-I-N.com. And by the way, 
All the distillery events are going to be broadcast live on Facebook, too, on the Facebook. And it's going to be exciting. And the, and the whiskeys that we're drinking on on this episode with Patton and Meredith, we're going to have the Boonahaven 12-year-old. It's an original member of the core range of Boonahaven. It's a special place in the hearts of all Boonahaven fans. It was launched in 1979. It's endured 40 years Thanks to the passion and dedication of that distillery team. It's a it's a wonderful place. I recommend you go. Once we're out of this virtual bullshit, we're doing stuff in real life again. So we're drinking the Boonahaben 12-year-old. And then we're also going to be trying something really special. It's called Tok Ak Agah, which means Smoky 2 in Scots Gaelic. This is a, a sequel to the original Petey Paradox on Boonahabin's gentle single malt. It's got a touch of smoke from their peated malted barley, and I'm really excited to try this one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. As always, I invite you to follow me on the social media. I'm at the imbiber, and the show has its own Instagram at WWD underscore podcast. That's right. I'm at the Imbiber on Instagram. I'm at the Imbiber on Twitter. And I invite you to send in questions or comments. And if you want to email me, dan at whatwe'redrinking.com, you could maybe send in a little voice recording asking a question or making a comment, and I'll play it on this very show. Case in point... Hey, Dan, this is Farron from L.A., and I'm a big fan of the show. I was just wondering, now that everything's starting to open up, what are some of your favorite drinking cities? Well, Farron, thank you, first off, for enjoying the show. Being a fan, being a supporter, I appreciate that. And as far as your question goes, look, as a member in good standing of the international drinking press, I'm often asked to proffer an opinion on which American cities are best suited for drinking. My usual reply to that... loaded question is whatever city i happen to be in at the time i'm in venice right now so this is my favorite place venice california you know they say you know the old saying a bourbon in hand is worth two in the bush Uh, but listen when it comes to accommodating a predilection for strong drink not all cities are created equal for every new orleans where liquor flows like a contestant's tears on the bachelor there's a provo utah or the only thing the teetotaling Mormon population there finds more deplorable than alcohol is pornography, like The Bachelor. So, yeah, look, I, I'm excited to get back out. In fact, I, I've mentioned I'm hitting the road. We're going to be doing some shows from the east coast of this country. I'm, I'm going to be gone for two weeks in June. and we'll be recording some stuff. I'm so excited. I really am. So, you know, these are some of the cities that I think are great. And we'll start with one of the ones that I'm going to be in. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Philly's a tough place, but it's not a tough place to drink. Thanks to a city ordinance that mandates there be no fewer than two bars on every block. At least I think there's a law like that. If not, there certainly should be, because it seems criminal to have to spend time in Philadelphia while sober. I kid. I'm joking. It's my my hometown. I'm from there. I love it. It's a great beer town. There's a, you know, tons of great beer bars there. And I, you know, if I, if I give you one reason 
Why do you drink in Philly? It's the likelihood of hearing a killer Ben Franklin joke while you're out. And who doesn't love Ben Franklin jokes? I mentioned New Orleans, of course. I mean, look, any legit inventory of the great American drinking cities has to include the Big Easy, where the bars never close, open container laws don't exist, and you're at least 10 times more likely to have a fun night out than you are to be murdered. Again, as someone who grew up in Philly, I like those odds. In addition to the countless dives and juke joints all over New Orleans, there are probably as many high-end cocktail bars as there are Neville Brothers. Ever tried counting all the Neville Brothers? Exactly. Of course, the best reason to drink in New Orleans is not having to stop until you want to. Las Vegas, come on. Like New Orleans, alcohol is readily available 24-7, 365 in Sin City. And unlike New Orleans, though, at a great many places in Vegas, the drinks are free. That's right. Absolutely free. Just so long as you're gambling, that is. Which counts as absolutely free to a certain level of degenerate. I happen to count myself among them. And as an added bonus, in most Vegas casinos, you can drink and smoke. Just like the fun-loving guys in the Rat Pack used to do before they all died of natural causes. The best reason to drink in Las Vegas, of course, is not having to stop until you run out of money. Seattle, Washington. There's a great drink in town. I, want, I read a piece a couple of years ago by uh, Catherine Schultz in The New Yorker. It was called The Really Big One, and it was about the seismic risk in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of experts are predicting there's going to be a massive earthquake there that will destroy Seattle. So how's that for an incentive to hit every happy hour in town as soon as fucking possible? That's right. Certain doom gives bar stool philosophers more skin in the game. Tempest Puget. And look, I, you know, uh, where, Farron, am I going to say you drink? You know, I got to put New York in there. I'm also going to be in New York City. Be doing a show there from the Stand Comedy Club. Coming up soon here. Is New York too obvious a choice? Well, yeah, sure it is. But it's New York City for fuck's sake. If I don't include it here, it's like leaving Paris off a list of the best French cities that begin with the letter P. New York's walkable, taxiable, subwayable, although I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near the subway. I, I, look, I'm good. I'm vaccinated. I'm feeling good about this whole getting over COVID thing, but uh, no, 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 I'm not doing the subway yet. Look, you don't even have to be able to see to navigate New York's bar scenes. Just Follow the scent of smug superiority or pick any door and walk in. There's a 50% chance it's going to be a bar. And the best reason to drink in New York, of course, is it's the best city in the world. It really is. Just ask any New Yorker. I'll tell you. It's that time of year again. New Year's. It's that time of year where we make those resolutions about dropping weight, answering our mom's calls, staying in touch with friends. It always feels like the perfect time to refocus on what we want in life, but it's easy to get stuck looking back on all of the resolutions we didn't keep last year. This year, there's one resolution I am definitely keeping, and that's making my mental health a priority. Make it part of your daily routine with Talkspace. Talkspace personally matches you with a licensed therapist you could connect with right from your phone or computer. I've been in therapy for years, but it's always been so challenging to find the right person. I've bounced around to different therapists and it's always, does this one take my insurance? Is this one close to my house? With Talkspace, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Listen, 
everyone could use someone to talk to. I personally deal with some anxiety and my problem at night is those racing thoughts that I can't turn off. I'm up all hours of the night thinking about everything that everyone ever said to me and how am I going to get through this? My therapist at Talkspace taught me some really awesome breathing techniques that help me calm my mind, calm my body, and give me a more restful sleep. Connecting with a licensed therapist on Talkspace can help you feel better and it's secure. No one's going to hear what you say and that's the best part. Let all that talk fly. Unlike traditional therapy, Talkspace fits your schedule, not the other way around. Talkspace treats your privacy and security as their top priority. You get access to private virtual room with just you and your therapist. You can send your therapist messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. No need to wait for that weekly appointment. You owe it to yourself to make mental health a priority this year. And Talkspace makes it easy to keep. Visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code STARBURNS at sign up. That's S-T-A-R-B-U-R-N-S. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code STARBURNS. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You can buy the finest spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home, but if you use crap mixers, you're going to get crap drinks. Let's face it, whipping up cocktails at home can be an expensive hassle, and that's why I am all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of master mixologists into your home. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. They're non-GMO, kosher, gluten-free, cold-pressed. It's all the good stuff. I could go on and on and on. Fresh Victor features seven unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. And Fresh Victor is ready to drink the moment you bring it home. Simply serve cold with ice, the spirit of your choice, or get fancy with one of their in-house mixologist award-winning recipes. Available nationwide, direct to your door via FreshVictor.com. It's also coming soon to a retailer near you. In the world of cocktail mixes, there's a holy grail, and that's Fresh Victor. Joining me now, a power couple known the world over for their generosity of spirit, their joie de vivre, their cosmic effervescence, but also their love of a good dram. Please welcome to the show Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. Hello. Hello, Hi. Dan Dunn. Dan, what's up, man? Hi. It's good to see you. Everybody's looking healthy, hale. Festive. How you done? How you done, Dan? Doing, Dan, done, doing good. Dan, doing good. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk about a lot of things, but I want to just immediately start off by raising a toast. Now, there's a we have an issue here. Is that Patton? You're more of a whiskey person, Meredith. You yes. are more of a non-whiskey person. Do you wanna? <laughs> Do you want to have some whiskey, Meredith, or do you want to go with... Because we did bring another spirit Well, you sent mix. whiskey for Patton, and and he's like, that's for me. Save it for me. Okay. <clears throat> but you did also send me something that looks yummy. It says vanilla spice cream liqueur. I'm a sweet girl, so I like sweet stuff, so I poured it. Okay, Ugh. so this is Amarulo, and Amarulo is a, a liqueur from South Africa. 
the Mar- it comes from the Marullo or from Africa. It comes from the Marullo tree. It's on the sweeter side. Patton, you you don't have this, right? Yeah. No, okay. God, I, I'm no. Gonna, I'm going to go with you on this, and we're going to do the Shit. the Bunahaben. Let's start with the 12. How's that sound? The 12. Yeah, okay, let's start yeah, with the yeah. Bunahaben 12-year-old. Sorry if you guys can hear me. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I lost my ear. I hear you. There we go. Oh, you can hear us? Okay, gotcha. How about, how exciting for when all this is over and we no longer have to be like, hold on, my dog's barking. Oh, the neighbor's yeah. here. My ear pods went out. Well, I do. My cat is behind me, and normally she's... Not so loud, but she's playing with something, and I'm not going to stop her because she needs the exercise. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. My dog is right next to me, and do you know what my dog's name is? What? Dan. Bo- no, I'm, this is not a joke. Bunahaben. That is my dog's oh, name. Oh, his name is little Bunahaben? Buna, it's a she, Bunahaben. Buna for short, everybody oh. calls her. You know, the kids around the block call her Buna. And uh, right. so we're going to have a toast. Patton has, uh, he's getting there. Oh, I just heard the pop, baby. There it is. Mm-hmm. So again, the Bunahaben 12-year-old, so you know here, Patton, this yep. is part of their core range. I mean, Bunahaben has been around since the 18, the you know, the middle of the, uh, around 1870, I believe they've been around, uh, on, on 1881, actually, uh, on Isla. 1881 on my bottle. There you go. So- uh, have you ever been over there? Have you been to Isla in Scotland? I've never visited Scotland. I had a chance to go to the um, uh, what's the big um, theater comedy fest that they have? Oh, Edinburgh, there in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh, like, freak and I wasn't able to go. And God, I wanted to go so bad. You didn't go? No, I had I had other work in the states. I couldn't go, and and I would have had to com- I would have had to have committed to a month of doing shows in a theater in order to do it. Oh so my I God, able- I would have gone. I would have made you go to Scotland. I would have gone through a castle. And we would have had the best time. We would have walked the whiskey trail. It's my favorite. <laughs> I got to be honest. You know, I've been doing this a long time and I've been traveling distilleries and such and wineries all over the world. There's no place like Scotland in terms of, you know, yeah. first of all, they must have a minister of charm that just goes around and they're like, hey, uh, more blackface sheep over here. More fist fights over here. <laughs> That's in Glasgow. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh, okay. I, I've, I've always said Glasgow reminds me so much of where I'm from Philadelphia and Glasgow is. Oh my God! Def- yeah. yeah. Oh my God! It's the Philly of if it's a Phil, it's a Philly of Scotland. It's the Philly of Scotland. So, but you got to go over there. We, oh, sorry, we just never drank. We never actually. Oh, we toasted. didn't do it. Okay, here. But you can oh, finish your toast. story, and then we can toast. Let's do okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Let's toast here. here. Okay. Ching. Happy cheers! Yes, cheers. yes. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, oh my God, that's yummy. Oh, that's. I love like that a we're tasting. I love that we're tasting two different things here. Let's go first to mm. Meredith. Meredith, please tell us about the Amarillo. How are you enjoying it? Okay, well, first of all, it looks like a glass of milk. Yes. <laughs> and I put it over ice. And I, I poured the vanilla. It's so yummy. Oh, my goodness. I don't drink. I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I'll have a cocktail at a party or like a glass of wine at a dinner, but I'm not like a drinker drinker. But this is the kind of thing you could just drink. <laughs> I mean, is this going to get And you and I talked ahead of time and you mentioned that you wanted – you enjoyed stuff that was, it was, that was the first thing that popped into my head. When you said that, I went, wow. it's like, I've got to get her some Amarillo. Like a, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a white Russian in like the sweetness thing. Not as sweet as a, but like yummy. Like, can you just drink this by it? Is that what you're supposed to do? Just drink it by itself? Yeah. It's, it's really just, you're just drinking it over, either put it, you know, chill it. After you've opened it, I'd put it in the refrigerator, just chill it. Just drink it neat, chilled or over ice. I wouldn't drink it warm. Right, and you wouldn't put it with anything else. Like, it's its own alcohol, correct? I think you could probably 
do something with it, but there's really no reason to. I, I believe it's designed to be I mean, dr- there's no reason. It's so yummy. Yeah, it's designed to be drank solo. Couldn't you slip it into a vanilla milkshake? Well, yes, because you could do that with the Buna Haben as well. I mean, it just that de- is true. it just yeah, depends yeah. on how low you're willing to go in your life. There, you know? <laughs> so I, as I was saying, yeah. going over to Scotland, man, you got to get like there's a festival happening right now called Fish Eel, which is why we're kind of doing this. Unfortunately, oh. they're doing it online, uh, but it normally what? it's it's a giant festival on Isla. Isla is a an island off the west coast of Scotland, which is where mm-hmm. they make. It's known predominantly for its uh, peaty scotches. So you've got yes. Laphroaig, uh, Lagavulin. Oh my god! Famous grouse is from over there, and of course yes. Boonahabin. And and I've told the story a million times on the show, but my dog's name actually is Boonahabin. And what happened was I came back from a trip <laughs> over there, and I was we didn't have a name. We had rescued her this a long time ago, ten years ago, and her name was Chloe. And I and I thought, well, I, that's not going to happen. I, with all due respect no. to all the Chloes of the world, well, Chloe's not a dog name. It's just a, it's just a person. It's like naming a dog Gary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Alan. Like, wait, what? No, it's no. It's funny you bring that up. My neighbor growing up's dog's name was Steve, and this was back oh, in the no, no. You can't. my friend's cat was named Steve. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, cat. Well, you, they should have named him Stevens. Oh wow! Wait, you got You got That took oh, a second. It took a second. Yes. No, there we it's go. not. I didn't even no, get it's that. Not. It's so lame. That was good. Right. I like that one, honey. <laughs> now it's now it's Yusef Islam. <laughs> anyway, I drink the Bunahaben twenty five year old, and I'm my girlfriend at and the time and I are discussing name up, and I said I don't know what to do, and I was sipping it, and I said Oh, Buna, 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 and she said What about Buna? And I looked down at the puppy, said Buna. She lifted her head, and now. The name. Um, it was like Baby Yoda uh, reacting to Grogu when he, he boot, boot, you know, Buna. Hmm? It's exactly like that. Um, Patton, what do you think of this whiskey? Uh, it's sweeter than I thought it would be. I know that you. Uh, uh, I is it? What's the Isle of? What's it? What is it? Isla. Islay. So it's Isla. It's, it's spelled I S L A Y. A lot L- of people mispronounce yeah. it Islay, but it's Isla. Yeah, Isla. Um, it's sweeter Ilay. than I thought that it would be, but it's like a, it's like a nice burnt sweetness you can there's a little bit of smoke to the sugar which is nice but you know it, it's it's edging on like being car- caramelized a little bit but it's it goes down nice you know? i would it's like, like that. A, it's like sweet earth i'm like sweet earth <laughs> that's exactly it there's like a there's a don't you think there's sort of the fruit notes in this are kind of front and center and you get a little vanilla and some caramel in there as well yeah it's a it's a delicious but, but all of those it's like those those are both on the sweet spectrum, so the sweet hits me first before I can divvy it into its little subcategories. But it's there, and and the peat, you know, again gives it that earthy undertone, which I like. It's very it, nice. It reminds very me nice. of Ardbeg a lot, which also comes from if you've had yeah. Ardbeg, be also is produced on Isla, so it's it's delicious. Nice. But I also want to get this out front and center before I forget because we're drinking. Uh, Meredith and Patton are launching a podcast called Did You Get My Text with Meredith and Patton. It premieres on Sirius yep. XM on June 1st, and then two weeks later on June 15th, it's available wherever podcasts stream. Can you tell us a little bit about yes. this show? Go ahead, Meredith. Yes, I can tell you about the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Patton and I... Uh, he loves to be alone. He loves his solitude. He loves to be on one part of it. Like during coronavirus, he'd be in his office and I'd be like on the balcony and we'd never see each other at all during the day. We would text each other all day long. 
In fact, when we were first meeting each other, we before we even met in person, uh, we had met through a mutual friend online kind of a thing, and we texted each other for three months straight, two hours every night, just texting. So our wheelhouse to communicate with each other is just texting. So during coronavirus and just normally in life, we just text each other all day long, but we never actually get to sit down and talk about the things we've texted all day. So I, the podcast sort of gives us an hour each week <laughs> to actually sit down and talk to each other about all the things we've been thinking about. Like normally we'll text and put like a heart or a thumbs up or, um, you know, a like, oh, cool. But we never get deep into the conversation of what we were texting. So the podcast is, did you get my text? Because literally all day long, like later in the night, I'll be like, oh, did you get my text earlier? And he's like, oh yeah, which one? And then we'll talk about it at night at home. But the podcast is when we get to actually delve right baby yes that is when we get to review and delve and go down whatever little paths uh these terse little uh texts suggest or or whatever rabbit hole pattern will there be will there be guests or is it just the two of you kicking it about your texts Uh, eventually there's going to be guests we're we're just right now it's us talking and then we'll start bringing in friends to talk about things then add them to the texting thread and so there'll be a whole we're building a world Building the it's world, a, Dan. It's a universe. We're building a universe. Yeah. The, we're, we're building the Salinger-verse. The Salinger-verse. There it is. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for calling it the Salinger-verse and not the Oswald-verse. Because I'm part you know of what? The, it I'm, is my world, and you're just living I'm in it. part of the Salinger-verse. Yeah. I'll, That's right. I'll drink baby. to that. Yeah. Drink to everything. I'll drink to that. that. Let's drink. Let's drink again. Let's, Let's drink. Wait, what the? Okay. Man, you're like halfway through that bottle already. No, kidding. Responsible drinking here. I uh, I would not be good at this. There's a reason I'm my most recent ex and a lot of exes was bit, one of the big issues in the relationship was my dis. I really dislike texting. I really I don't like the, I don't like the feeling of having to respond to people. In fact, I we said, don't. Oh, oh yeah, there's a lot of times we just let it sit and you know think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I, I would just go. I I'm I'm like you, Pat, and I really like to be alone. But really, like, I don't want to, I don't want to have any distractions and I, right, I'm right. a sad, lonely man, but it's okay. You know, I'm fine. Dan, you're gotta, a very I'm, handsome man. I'm oh, looking at you. Uh, you're very tan and you look like you, you have surfboards behind you as your back screen and you look like you, um, you're like a beachcomber. That's me. He has like a, he's like if Colin Farrell were a beachcomber, you would, he would. Oh my like. God. You're <laughs> totally Colin Farrell at the beach in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm going for that. Yeah. I am going for that. Look. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 once texting, once I really got the hang of texting, I prefer texting to talking on a phone any day. I don't think we've, I don't think I've used the landline in our, in our house for anything since we moved in. And when, when I get a call on my cell phone, I'm so offended and taken aback like what 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 is this and like i want to let you know we're getting together at three you could have texted that like i don't i don't want to talk to you do talk anymore. to your parents though on the phone because they don't text what, what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna drag these two septuagenarians into the world of texting and and facetime that that's too late i will talk to them on the phone and that's it so wait this doesn't drive because this drives me crazy when i'm someone texts mm. me and then i call them mm-hmm. and they don't pick up and i'm like son of a bitch i know you're holding your phone in your hand you just texted no, me see it drives me crazy when I text someone and they immediately call me. I'm like, no, that was a text. You re- you text me back. I de- the reason I text you because I don't want to talk. Do not make me answer my phone. There's a certain level, a distance, boundaries. Yes. There's boundaries. Okay, I get it. But I get also, it. there's also, times when you th- – sorry, baby. There's times no, you when you ahead. text 
And the reason you're texting is because it's like loud where you are and you wouldn't be able to hear that person. So if someone calls you and you're like in the middle of like a movie theater or and you, you know, you can't answer, but you can like secretly text. Not that you would do it in a movie theater. Not a movie. Bad example. Uh, but you know what I mean? Save, I kids dance recital. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Like like at a parent's funeral, and you want to just go. Yeah, when oh you're my texting God, at you like see, a funeral. Yeah, did you see Army of the Dead last night? How was Tig? Like that's when or, you want to send it. <laughs> One of the things about you, Patton, is you're so prolific, especially on on Twitter. And my feelings about that is there's so much noise, right? I, I miss the days when you had to earn being able to have a voice. Now I get, I also completely understand the benefits of the internet, but. I was thinking about one of the, my favorite bits that you did, and it was, oh, man, what was the name of the uh, Werewolves and Lollipops, right? And you, Oh, that's his book, yeah, you're, right? And no, you, with a special, the comedy album. special. And, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't know. And there was a heckler, and it just stood out at me as one of my favorite <laughs> moments because this guy, he, you were telling a story, I think it was about birth control, or so you were telling a joke, yeah, and they were yeah. doing the setup, and, and the idea is it's supposed to be really quiet. And then just inexplicably, this guy... Scream, screams out like he just wants to be heard you know ah! he makes like a, yeah he just it's like the silence made him just go ah! he had to make a noise which which i mean i feel kind of bad like if that's his life that if that it was at top six seconds of silence but it was needed for the punchline to work and he couldn't couldn't handle it well what i'm saying is i'm taking that moment and i and i really am sort of applying it to the world we live in now which is like oh yeah people can't now that they've been given this platform to be heard, they won't shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, right. stop. Like I was reading this, somebody, there was a thing about uh, some famous person. Uh, oh, Anna, Anna Paquin from True Blood was, mm-hmm. was firing back at her critics online because her bisexuality doesn't, isn't up the code or something. And I just, when I'm reading it and I know it, maybe I sound like an old guy here or something, but I'm just going, what do you care why do you yeah. care what random people on the when people write me on the internet? Here's what I do: I have a stock response when they call me a fuckhead or whatever they call me. I write the same thing back, and it just says, "Thank you so much for listening. It's the support of people like you." And I'll just keep sending that same message until they then threaten my life, which is ultimately what ends yeah, up happening. Yeah. You're not paying attention to me. I'll kill you. You know, but right. I just don't care. Well, look, it, that's why defense. there's a block button. Yeah, block, or better block. yet, the mute the mute button. Let them just scream at a wall and never know that they're doing it. Um, in her defense, maybe she was new to the platform. Those were her early years on it. Because my early years on, on Twitter, I would respond to people. It took me a while to – you need to learn like, oh, wait a minute. This is an account that has existed for three months and has four followers. This isn't – this could just be – this could be one of my friends messing with me. So, uh, you know, it, it takes you a while to get over – I think you need to indulge – and wallow in responding and so that you can then go, oh, yeah, this is this is just electrons. I don't care. And then you get to the And it's, what's weird is your followers begin to start to realize, I think there's this unspoken mass mind that kind of says, oh, he's not responding to the trolls. They got to go find someone else because this person just kind of moved on. And I'm just, you know, tweeting the stuff that I like and that's it. Well, there are sometimes he responds to trolls, and then I get really mad at him. I'm like, why are you responding to trolls? Le- just stop it. Stop it. And then, like, he responded to some stupid celebrity once, and um, and then all that stupid celebrity's fans, like, got up in arms and started this, like, targeted harassment campaign against Patton. And I was like, why did you even 
bring this moron into our universe. Like, don't let these bad people with bad energy even into our realm of understand. I don't even want to hear their energy. So just ignore everybody who has right. bad energy. I yeah. feel like though that there was a there was an early internet phase that we're moving out of now when a lot of the trolls and a lot of the bots first saw that hey, maybe I do have some power. Maybe I can affect some change. So they went at it really really hard and then a lot of the people that they early on got canceled like James Gunn for instance, uh the the, the people that were canceling him the studio that fired him then looked at their tweets and went, oh, wait a minute. These are like white nationalists, awful people. They, yeah. they just want they just want to scalp. This, and then they immediately rehired him. And I feel like we're moving into this new phase where especially the the, the gatekeepers are able to recognize um, the scalp hunters and the, uh, the, the, the bot mobs a, a lot better. And they're starting to realize that they're, they don't quite have the – power that they used to have and we're moving into a different phase. I don't know if it's going to be a better or worse phase, but we're definitely moving into a different phase where a lot of these bots and trolls that are just there to pick fights are realizing no one cares anymore. I agree with you that we are definitely in a different phase. I don't know that I agree that it's better. (laughs) I I didn't say it was better. I don't know yet, but you know, I'm trying to be hopeful. You know, but it's not all whiskey here at What We're Drinking Headquarters. A lot of times I like to drink rum, just any rum. I'm talking about Batiste rum, the first sustainable American craft rum. I call it a 3R rum because the makers of Batiste rum practice regenerative agriculture, they use renewable energy, and they make responsible choices. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure, fresh cane juice minimal processing, single distillation. It is distilled sunshine. I'm walking on sunshine. Check out BatisteRum.com to learn more. That is B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. That H in rum is a tip of the hat to the French Caribbean where it's sourced. And as I like to say, the H is silent, but I promise you, you won't be. You're going to be telling everybody you know to get some. I have a segment on the show we do sometimes called It's Driving Me to Drink. It's driving me to drink. And I, and I, I, I was reading an article this morning and I thought, you know what, I want to bring this up and, and, and see what you guys think of this. And we can just, because, you know, when you're drinking, you're supposed to shoot the shit about, you know, topical stuff. So right. this was an article I read on NPR, not The Onion. <laughs> the headline is, Alabama will now allow yoga in its public schools. And then in parentheses, it says, but students can't say namaste. So I start reading the article. There was a ban on yoga in Alabama for 30 years because Christmas it's just what? exercise <laughs> Who, it's stretching you're it's it's just stretching who cares it says christian conservatives who back the ban said yoga would open the door for people to be converted to hinduism okay so here no this is true the new law allows yoga to be offered as an elective for grades k-12 it also imposes restrictions on how yoga should be taught students won't be allowed to say namaste for instance and meditation is not allowed and then this is from the bill a direct quote from the bill chanting mantras mudras use of mandalas induction of hypnotic states guided imagery and namaste greetings shall be expressly (laughs) prohibited it also requires english names be used for all the poses and exercises 
So you can't say shavasana when you're laying down. You just have to say lay down. It's, it's yeah. insane, you know. And and by it's the just, way, it's, by the way, it's, that- it's still okay to invoke the name of the Virgin Mary who had sex with a ghost and gave birth to a superhero. That part's fine. That's completely but don't fine, do yeah. any of that weird Hinduism stuff. That's that. You're way off the track right with that. Yeah, they've got zombie Jesus and all yeah. that stuff. Oh, it's oh it's nuts. God. And by the way, the biggest group opposing this, the, can, one of the conservative groups, is called the Foundation for Moral Law. I am not making this up. Founded by former Chief Justice Roy Moore, also known as the, pedof- yeah! the pedophile who ran for Senate. He, It's his who group. Who was banned from two shopping malls because he kept... Um, he kept snaking on uh, teenage girls in the malls. He was banned from two shopping malls, and he he, he would it's like always to protect those us from who, yoga. <laughs> he's going to protect us. From Anyone yoga. who's so anti anything, um, clearly they have it in their back pocket of whatever oh. they're against. It's like gay marriage shouldn't be allowed, and they're like getting blown in the bathroom in yeah. an airport by some guy. Well, that's but I mean, um, this is a this is a very old joke that I do. But basically, in the fifties, the the gay signaling stereotypes were like. Hey, let's hook Meredith up with Teddy. Oh, you know, Teddy's really nice, but he's like really into like, you know, Broadway musicals and <laughs> like Barb. You know, do you, do you see someone going with this? You're like, oh, no, no, I get it. And nowadays, like, hey, let's hook Meredith up with Teddy. Oh, yeah, no, Teddy's really cool, but he's like, um, how do I put this? Really against gay marriage? Like, <laughs> really believes exactly. in the family? Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, oh, you know, I, I get Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just amazing to me that um, Christians who are supposed, I mean, uh, very, very evangelical or whatever, wh- whoever those people are, um, that they're so, Jesus was like, accept everybody, help everybody. And they're so against everybody that isn't <laughs> exactly Christian white male. Yeah. Like Jesus never would have been that way. He loved everybody and he was helping the poor and making, he was like the greatest guy. He was Jewish, of course, great people. Yeah. But, um, but you know why? Why are Christians so anti everything? Well, they're also really anti. They get really squirrely around people that are quietly religious. And you know, if you remember when Jesus uh, confronted the Pharisees, when he was um, he was in Capernaum, all the Pharisees are getting into people's face about how much we love Jesus and we follow him and we follow him harder than you do. And then in this, in a great cameo appearance, Jesus walks. I think this is in Mark. Jesus walks by and they run up to worship him and Jesus just goes, I don't know you and just leaves, like walks away from them, like fuck off. You've gotten it wrong. You know, like it's like when Kurt Cobain was making fun of all the jocks in his audience and oh my God, I just compared Kurt Cobain with Jesus. But it's the same thing of like, I don't want you as my fan. You're, You're doing this wrong. And so a lot of evangelicals are about, it's not about loving Jesus quietly in your heart and actually doing it through acts um, it's it's just loudly screaming about how much you love Jesus in other people's faces, and then going off and doing whatever the fuck you want. Tapping, it's doing so the toe nice. tap in the Minnesota airport bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. You know, to make it relevant to this show, what we're drinking, I should also point out I've seen amazing things in the wine and spirits business. Nobody but Jesus has turned water into wine. So there you go. Like I'm sure David score David one Copper for you, Jesus. Uh, here's this is this is my idea though for this NPR thing in the Alabama. This is what I, th- I I truly mean this. I think America needs to institute a program. You know, like in in in, in Israel when you turn 18, you got to go in the military. I think America needs a gap year where you have to travel. 
You have to go out yeah. into the world and experience other cultures. This has to happen while they're young to sort of counteract yeah. the poison that their dipshit parents are already putting in their heads. But I truly right. believe if you sent these people out into the world and just go here, go to Mexico, go to France, go here, it and would change everything. It would change everything. They'd yeah. go, oh, wow. They're, you know, because this fear and loathing that they have of, of the things they don't understand, which is mostly everything. Dan, I would say that I has 100% to happen. agree with yeah. you. I mean, Jacques Cousteau basically said that, but he said, like, if every child, I think if every child at age eight went and spent a year living in a different culture and then came back, after like a couple generations, there wouldn't be war anymore. Everyone would just go, oh, yeah, okay, they're just trying to, you know, everyone's just trying to live out there. It's not, no one's good or evil. They're just either being led the wrong way or, you know, or they're, or they're frightened. People do horrible things when they're scared. Wait and a minute. Ted Cruz is evil. Oh. Ted Cruz is evil. Can we, <laughs> if we can't agree on I, that. I think, uh, I think Ted Cruz, I think Ted Cruz is a very frightened, um, un, unhappy individual. And that's why he does and says the shit that he says. And he says some insane stuff. What's a scenario where someone says to you, Pat, and first accuses your father of being in on the Kennedy assassination and then uh, calls Meredith a, a dog or whatever the hell he, what Trump said about his wife. And then you're sucking up to that guy. Like it just it. it I know. I just want to. What the hell is wrong because with you? Again, man? But, but look at think of how damaged and frightened he must be that he will always cleave to whoever's in power. That that is the classic example. And I say that Karl Rove is the same way because he grew up with a very troubled dad and he was bullied when he was little. And instead of going, oh my God, I remember how horrible it was to be bullied. I never want to do that again. He, What he did, and a lot of people do this, they go, I remember how it was being bullied. I'm going to be on the side of the bully so that I don't get hurt. So he always was on the side of the bullies to protect himself. There's something that happens a lot in history. People become the bully's little friend to protect themselves. And I think that's what's happening with Ted Cruz. He's just like, who is in power right now? Who can I stick to that will prevent me getting hurt? Lindsey Graham strikes me as a similar similar type person as well. Well, Lindsey Graham is a whole Tennessee Williams play just in human form. There's so much denial and sadness. Oh, my God. I think Meredith even – Meredith, you tweeted something. It, was, it, it wasn't me. It was just like – it was like, Lindsay, whatever it is you're hiding, none of us care. Just yeah. come out with it and we're okay with it and just get these monsters off your back. They're making you I mean, unless you like raped a little boy, which is probably yeah. what happened. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. Although but, apparently but like, with this new guy, that doesn't affect anything either. With, with this guy that's running for um, uh, Cheney's seat, he, he like raped a 14-year-old and they're, they're behind him. <laughs> I'm sorry I cut you off. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Mary. I'm, I'm opening the whiskey. Let's let's get back. Let's go back to the other whiskey. I'm starting to get. I'm getting so flustered now. Look at this. It's okay. too early in the morning. Can we try the other the other Bunahaban expression? I'm sorry. I don't want to, uh, Meredith. We can come back to this, but I want to. I want to. This one here. Okay. This is. I don't even know. If this is available in the states right now. It's called Tok Ak Aga, which means smoky too in Scots Gaelic, and this is a really special whiskey. You don't have this one, Meredith? Um, which one? The Bunahabin. You're going to make me say no. it again? Tak ak uh, No, I didn't get that. Okay. Well, I, didn't I only th- got the two sweet things and then the one thing that has a guar head for Patton. This like Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a different. That's thing. not even that's not even scotch. But this one here. That's Virginia oh. sipping whiskey, girl. That's right. Uh, I, I'm excited to, for you to try this 
Patton, and tell me what you think. I, I, I have not had this whiskey yet, so I'm gonna mm. we're gonna do this one together, my friend, and uh, give the world. We'll tell the world right here. What do you think? Oh, this is um, this is earthier than the um, the twelve, in a good way. It doesn't have that much sweetness, but you can you can. It's way more organic. I, I just taste way more green living things in this, which is good. There is a lot, yeah, of, yeah. a lot of smoke from that peat in there. I think it's very robust. Yeah. This is a robust. You can see it in your face. This is a robust. Yeah, so, a little. Uh, it, it did some aging in Oloroso sherry casks, so that gives it oh. – you get that really rich, oaky uh, taste you get from the uh, – it's a combination of ex bourbon casks and, and sherry casks. Um, yeah, Balvenie does that. They'll they'll um, age their stuff in different casks. There's sherry casks and port casks and Madeira casks, and so you get these different flavored. Well, that whiskeys. was what's his name, David? Uh, David uh, Jesus Stewart, the, uh, Dave Stewart. Yeah, he's the Dave Stewart was the is the master distiller for the Balvenie. He was kind of the pioneer in multi cask aging things, and now you're getting like the Buna Hobbins of the world mm. are all doing that. This is a really, really delicious whiskey. <laughs> oh, hi, cat. There's yeah. a cat right here in the shed. Yes. Um, Dan, I want to tell you something. Yes. Your show, you should have Alice, our daughter, who's 12, on your show because- Oh, nobody <laughs> because would I'll have a problem why. with that. Yeah. That's no, not a big deal. The reason I say that is because Patton does love whiskey, and every year at Christmas time, he gets this like um, advent calendar, but it's like instead of opening the little doors for like a little piece of chocolate- it's little tiny, cute little whiskeys, like a little tiny shot of all the different whiskeys, like so he can taste them. And his favorite thing to do, obviously, we do not give our daughter alcohol, but no. we do like let her smell it. Obviously, and, like, I'm, just... I'm reiterating that to everybody listening. In no <laughs> way, shape, or form are we advocating giving 12 year olds whiskey. Go ahead. No. Okay. Um, but we do let her smell it and we like, might let her like touch it on her tongue and she'll like, and we'll say, what is that like to you? And, she, and one time she said, that sound, it, it smells and sort of tastes like uh, a library that's been burnt down. Like she has definite, like very interesting descriptions on all the different ways. What, what were some other ones she said, honey? She, she said something. that was like, this is like, it, 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 ta- it smells like horses running through a forest fire or something like that. Like, yes, exactly. It was just like, cause it was like leather and sweat and fire. And it was just very, she, she was like edging into like baby Bukowski territory. It was, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> maybe we can, maybe there's a way to do this. Now hear me out. What if she smelled, they've never taste. She smells, right. describes the taste to you. You make the notes, you come on the show and we'll call the segment Alice smells. And it'll be the things that Alice. <laughs> well, welcome to Alice smells, yeah. and and this will be this is. I think she'd be upset at school if there was a segment yeah. called Alice smells. I think. About, 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 no, like, I don't about, mean. I don't mean. I don't mean the double entendre here. I'm just yeah. saying <laughs> the, or the things Alice smells. But I'm thinking Starburns audio. How about Alice and Wonder Dram? <laughs> oh, Pat, oh. you're so clever. No wonder you're a comedian. This is this is just good. yes, this is funny. Patton's funny. Mm. He's sometimes. A, you, I'll tell you, man. Sometimes. You got a future. Uh, I'm going to, I want to bring up a thing too. I was watching some clips of your, uh, the show, Modoc, and you, there was a clip, oh, yeah. uh, The Bar with No Name. And it made me think of something <laughs> that I wrote before. Uh, when I, you know, sort of when you die scenario, I have this idea, my perfect bar, and it's called mm-hmm. the epilogue. 
and it's located at the <laughs> at the end of a very long, very subjective, maybe even run on, comma spliced sentence. So the at the epilogue, the the people that are there are all the dead ex writers. You know, so you've got Hemingway, you've got Thompson, Fitzger- um, uh, Fitzgerald, and Hitchens. Chandler Fleming <laughs> and they all just go there and and I was saying like there's 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 you know three kinds of conversations you can have at the epilogue there's the kind that ends in sex the kind that ends in a fight and the kind that never seems to end that seems like kind of what you would have in a literary bar mm-hmm. right is that that's my yeah. dream that's my dream place like that um yeah I mean um would 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 the would the pictures on the wall only be writers who famously drank themselves to death Oh, you mean or like like the white be, dog, like the white dog in New York, the, Dylan Thomas? Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was the white horse. Oh, the white, excuse me, the white horse. Yeah, the white horse tavern in New York City. Dylan Thomas apparently drank about thirty drinks, and then he actually died at the Chelsea Hotel, though, right? He went back to the it, Chelsea I, and died. Well, it was nineteen shots of whiskey, and then he um, rookie. I thought he went to the hospital first. I, I know it was Dylan Thomas on his American tour, and he he sat down and did the 19 shots and he died. I mean, the, the old legend was he died in front of the tavern, but no, I think he got back to his room. But I'm thinking like, cause like Christopher Hitchens died of cancer and Hemingway blew his brains out. But then you could have people like, you know, Poe who too probably drank himself to death and, and, you know, Carson McCullers and stuff like that. Would that be part of it? I, I, I yeah. I That's mean, a very depressing part. Well, I mean, well, by the way, I, I saw something like you did it. You were on a panel with Hitchens and, and I'd met Hitchens. So I used to work for Hunter S. Thompson. So I, I met, <gasps> I met. What? What? When? What? In, I knew Hunter. In Aspen? Aspen? Yeah. I gotta, I'll show you some pictures when we get off. Did I, you I got, live in Aspen? I did. I, li- I did. I lived in Aspen for five years. I went to, <laughs> that's another story. The short version is I, I went there. I wound up running for mayor of Aspen. I was in my twenties, and what? and then Hunter called me. Hunter called me up, like out of the. I thought he it was ran a jo- for sheriff, right? He did in nineteen seventy. So I thought it was a joke when I got the call, and and he was hey, look at Dan here. I want to meet you. So I remember the very first time I met him was at a place called the Howling Wolf in Aspen. They pulled up in the Shark. Bob brought us the sheriff of Picking County was driving, and Hunter got out and he ambled up and he had a pint glass full of Chivas. And that began a 10-year uh, – I was one of the last people to talk to him, actually. I mean, not I'm not bragging about that. He he called me. Um, I was going to Aspen. I was scheduled to go to Aspen on a Thursday. This was the Friday before. He called me, and he said he wanted me to bring him a tequila that he couldn't get in Aspen and bring a bottle to, to, mm-hmm. to town. And and then we made dinner plans for a place called Butch's Lobster House and, and – and then that, like less than forty-eight hours later, he shot himself. So I, I always tell people he really must have decided he didn't want to have dinner with me. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to carry. Oh that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're mentioned in the suicide note. I think it was more about how I can't swim or play football anymore. I, I don't think your name makes it in that. Football note. season is over. I believe is the first. Football line. season is over. Yeah, oh football god, that was season the saddest is note. Yeah, and oh. uh, no, it was well. You know, here's the thing about that, and I guess it, it, you always just worry. You're not. We always had the kitchen rule. You can't talk about anything. But who's going to shoot me now? You know, I, Hunter was mending a lot of fences in those last because I he and I had had a fight, and I didn't talk to him for a couple years, and uh, wow. we had a big blowout because I used to give back as much as he gave it to me, and then a few months before he died, I remember I was in San Diego, and my phone rang, and it and I it was him. You know, I, and I was like, hey, what are you doing, you fucker? And I was like, uh, 
Wait, who is this? Like, you know who it is, you son of a bitch. And it, you know, and then it's like, oh. And I, he's like, oh, you know what? I, I'm just calling. I, uh, I forgive you. And I said, well, what does that mean? Do I, am I forgiving you then too? And so then we started talking again. And this was only a couple months before that, but I know he had had some five fights with some other people more well known than me. And I, I know that he, I know he's patched things up with people. So I think he had a pretty good was idea. He doing, was he doing like step? Was that step three or four, but without giving up the drinking or, or do you think it was just like more of a trying to, I think he knew he was going to, I think he knew he was going to do what he did. And I think he wanted to, I think he wanted to mend fences with people before he did it. I mean, I'd like to think that that's what happened with us. I I don't know. I mean, it was, I don't know if it was a coincidence that he, or maybe he got back in touch with me and was like, you know what? This sucks. Uh, no, but yeah, that was man. February twenty. That's an interesting person to have had um, yeah. a relationship with. Wow. Yeah, there was uh, lots of. That's so cool. What, one Dan, day, you're one a day cool off guy, the air. Dan. Oh, that's me. <laughs> one day off the air, we'll tell. I'll tell you some fun stories. Oh my god, but... I wish we had like another hour to hear like more. Yeah, yeah. Were you at Were you at his house in Aspen when uh, George W. Bush would come and and drink and do coke? <laughs> no, I wasn't. George it, it, W. Bush Woody used Creek. to go there and, and do coke with him. With Hunter S. Thompson? Woody Creek, yes. I, I never heard him talk about that. I mean, it, you know, I was there with some people, and I won't say that any of them were, well, yeah, I can't say that. I can't say that. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, people that are dead, but I still shouldn't say anything. Uh, you know, the, the, people that I, the people that I would hang out with there, not saying we did drugs, mm-hmm. wink. Yeah, uh, wink. Ed Bradley was there a lot. Ed lived down the street. It was very sad, actually, you know, at Hunter's um, memorial, which Johnny Depp put on. So Hunter died on Hunter paid for. Yeah. Hunter died on the 20th of February. And then six months later to the day was August 20th, 2005, uh, was the big thing. They put on a a big event out back of Hunter's place in Woody Creek. And there were about 250 people. And it was crazy. John Kerry was there. Jan, Lyle Lovett, Johnny Depp, obviously, Bill Murray, all... And it was the year anniversary. My stepfather died in a fire and it was a, the year oh anniversary. God, so it was a very dude. emotional day, but I remember standing there. And so after they shot Hunter's ashes, ashes not really out of, out of cannon, it wasn't, that wasn't really what it was fireworks that they had put his ashes in and they shot him up. So, and oh then when, God. as soon as that was done, they played Mr. Tambourine man, which was Hunter's favorite song. And then Lyle Lovett got up on stage. They had put, what was crazy was they Hunter had done a documentary back in the seventies for the BBC and he was standing out back of his house and he says, and he's pointing and he's like, yeah, when I die, when I die, they're going to, uh, they're going to put a, a giant cannon here. It's uh, going to be bigger than the statue of Liberty and they're going to blow my ashes all over the valley. And that's what Johnny did. And so they put, they put a state, they erected a stage in that very spot where he was standing. And then they put him, his image up on the screen and he does the thing and then they started playing uh, Spirit in the Sky. Again, I always feel like I'm talking like I shouldn't be saying what happened. They played Spirit in the Sky and they did no, it like- that, that whole thing is documented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read long articles So about they it. did a strip tease thing, basically. They had these red so And then it gets to the top and then the, this, the Gonzo Fist, see, thing was mm-hmm, at the top, yep. glowing. And then that happens. And then Lyle, after that happened, Lyle got up, Lyle Lovett, and he played If I Had a Boat, which was Hunter's like second favorite song. Uh, if I had a boat to go out on the ocean, I'll screw it up. Listen to it. It's a beautiful song. <laughs> and he played. And I, but I, here's what I vividly remember. I was standing, I was so emotional because it was the thing with my stepdad and that, and it was my dear friend, Curtis Robinson, who hosts the Hunter S. Thompson podcast now. 
Ed Bradley and Curtis's wife, Donna. The four of us mm-hmm. are standing here watching Lyle. And within a year, Donna and Ed would both be dead. Oh my God. Jeez Louise. Cancer. Bummer. Stay away. You guys are like, I got to get away from this guy. It's really bad luck. Father. <laughs> well, I was with You're Orson Welles the night before death, he died. Friend. You are. I'm the angel of death. Uh, yeah. What were you saying, Mary? <laughs> I said, I was with Orson Welles the night before he died. I was like one of the last pe- people to see him alive. It was like me and his limo driver. We were both on the Merv Griffin show and um, we were hanging out in the green room and there was a whole, it's a long story. But um, anyway, he got in his limo, and we said goodnight to each other, and he was dead in the morning. Nobody saw that coming, that guy. No? <laughs> <laughs> Aw, yeah. Sorry. Um, I watched bloopers yeah, of him doing these so Gallo fun. commercials. He was so drunk. You remember how, like, wasted he was? <laughs> like, did you ever see the outtakes of him trying to do the, the – Oh, the, yeah. I mean, he's fall down drunk trying to do these commercials, and like, no. Do you remember, his- Merritt? Did, did he seem drunk or ill, or he just seemed like this older guy or – no, he remember? didn't seem drunk. I mean, he was enormous, but he didn't seem drunk or ill. Mm. He just seemed lovely, and he was mm. so nice to me. He's like, you have a great career, how do you kid? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, but I was 14. Let me tell you something, Meredith Salinger. The way that you <laughs> do this, you're like a plate of peas. A plate of peas that is out there. I know a far where every... Sorry. <clears throat> this whole <laughs> Um, Dan, thank you yes. for having us on this awesome podcast. Are you, wait, are you, wait, are you ending the show now? Look at you. Meredith's ending the well, show. Whoa. I'm not ending the show. Patton's got to go. Is that it? Did he get the text? I, I'm not ending the show. I was just about I'm to just come in and end it. I'm just ending our portion of the show. I was just yeah. about oh, wait, to come in and end it. Who is this disembodied up? voice coming into the show? No. Sorry, I was Cliff. coming in to break it all, all right, right, let me do a proper ending. Everybody, that's Cliff Dorfman, by the way. Let me do a proper ending here. I want to let everybody know. Uh, Did You Get My Text with Meredith and Patton premieres on Sirius XM on June 1st, available everywhere else, podcast stream on June 15th. I am just, it's been such a, a real thrill having you guys on. And uh, any anytime, the next time we do this, we'll do it in person. How's that sound? Yeah, and we can do it nice. for longer next time because I want to hear more about yes. everything. Yeah, and I'm wrapping this show up, know, everybody. I'm ending it dude. right now. There will be nothing else. When you hear the music kick in right now, <laughs> that is a sign that you can go about your day because I'm not coming back. I, there will be nothing more today from me oh. unless Patton and Meredith have something to say. Do you want to bring it home? Say something. <clears throat> Profound. Yes, I say, I'd like to say that. Oh, I, go ahead, honey. You do it. You do I'd it. I'd like you to say that go. I need to go. That's what I'd like to no, say. <laughs> I'd like to say this was super fun. And thank you for all these delicious drinks. I never would have known about them. And I'm super. Yeah. Into it. And you're very handsome. Oh, well, I know. I mean, thank you. People no. who just hear you don't realize that you're very, very. Uh, beachcomber. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>